Okay. Hello, today I have the lovely Rob with me, finally. <laughs> Hiya Rob, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? <laughs> oh, I will. Um, Hiya Donna, it's lovely to finally uh, be on a call with you. Um, how are you today? Are you okay? I'm good, thank you. All the better for speaking to you. been very excited. <laughs> Uh, likewise. Well, thank you so much for your patience with me. Uh, Donna's been wonderful while uh, COVID did the rounds with my family and the school and, <laughs> and then eventually me. So, um, yeah, I'm uh, Rob Parker. I'm the author of 10, 10 books now, I think, under my own name, 16, if you count the ones I've ghostwritten, which I can't talk about because of various NDAs. Um, but um, I am a married father of three. I'm very, very happy. Very, very lucky. Very, very blessed. Uh, this could all blow up any minute. Um, but I'm very happy to be here and every day is for living, hence me coming to you from the pub with a pint of Guinness. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the first, so that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's Friday. Come on, come on. <laughs> <laughs> so did you always know that you wanted to be a writer? Yeah, I did, I did always, I, I always knew I wanted to be involved in stories. I didn't really know whether it was going to be a writer, as in like a novelist, because um, where I grew up um, in the Warrington area um, of the Northwest, you just didn't know that authors existed outside of libraries and, you know, very like rich people. I thought it, it, I thought it was just, you know, they were very well-to-do sort of crusty little old guys who were in libraries, that kind of stuff. And whereas, um, and that's ridiculous because I was always in our local library <laughs> and I never saw any of them in there, but I just didn't think it was something I was allowed to do or that was open to me, that storytelling was something, you know, being a, a, a lad from a northern town. And I suppose from lots of towns all over the country, you just don't know whether this kind of thing is available to you. And it was always sort of squeezed out of me in, 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 to a certain extent academically. Um, like, you know, when you want to go to university, I said I wanted to go to university to study film because I thought that would be my way into telling stories. And I was flat out told, no, you can't do that. The school said, no, we're not going to let you go and do that. So it was like I was, I was very much angled a certain direction. And it, this was before people did, you know, like mass visits into schools and stuff like that. You know, like you get people coming into schools now, like from all manner of incredible industries. And the only person we ever had was a bird watcher. And I just thought like, is that what I'm supposed to be? <laughs> you know? So um, I didn't know I was allowed to be an author coming from where I came from, but um, I, I always want to be involved in stories. So I was always writing, always reading, always writing growing up, um, never at the library. Um, I was always very, very happy in books. I'd always be writing when, when I was on holiday as well, buying notebooks from the, the corner shop. And um, uh, yeah, it, that, that stayed with me until, um, I was 29, um, so I was still doing all sorts of different jobs. I was a delivery driver, barman, in this pub, actually. There's a barman here. <laughs> this is the plough in Warrington, uh, in Croft, by the way, everyone. And um, they look after me fabulous in here, by the way. But they, um, uh, I was the barman here 18 years ago. Um, so it, it's so strange. And some of, the, some of the same people still come here. <laughs> so it's really weird. Yeah, yeah, like me. <laughs> um, so it's... I, I, I was constantly looking for that outlet. You know, I, I wanted to be able to tell stories. Um, I had a brilliant upbringing in stories through watching um, old movies with my, my grandpa. And my granddad was the one. My granddad was the one who showed me a, a love of, wow, the fantastic, the impossible. And I just always wanted to cling on to that. Um, so 
Um, always wanted to, but never knew I was going to have the chance. I think it's the best way to describe that. So what was the push then? What made you decide one day, that's it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to go for it? Hmm. Yeah, it's a really good, really good question. And um, I um, I've always loved sport. A really weird way to start answering that question, but I've always loved sport. And um, I injured my knees playing football um, and I needed six knee surgeries on uh, across both legs. So three on one, three on the other. And it gave me 18 months out of work. And it, this was when Jeremy Kyle was still on the air. And it was just like just having this just morass of awful daytime television was just melting me, uh, just melting my brain. And um, I'd forgotten to keep reading really, you know, the stuff that I've always been into that was always an anchor for me was books and reading, and I'd forgotten to keep reading. Um, so I started reading again, that pulled me back out, and then I, then I started to think, like, this could be my shot. You know, like, you've, I've suddenly got all this time with, like, I'm expressly told to do nothing here, and I'm, if I don't take this opportunity now, I might never take it. So I wrote the first Ben Bracken book in that period, um, uh, six weeks it took me, the very first one, and oh, pub dog's shown up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sounds a bit bigger than he usually does. <laughs> uh, and uh, I just took the opportunity with both hands and I've sort of never stopped. That is the thing since then, you know, I went back into do bits and pieces of work, but it was always to supplement what I wanted to do with my writing career. But yeah, it was really getting injured that did it. And I'm, I'm definitely a silver linings guy. You know, when opportunities come along, two hands, grab them, two hands. So, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> That's, yeah, that's cool, actually. <laughs> it's funny with men, actually, that yeah, they you... tend to sit down and write because they, they have no excuse not to for some reason or other. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, it's funny that it was like, right, you can't keep putting it off, Rob. You know? And before that, I'd be like, I'd be driving in the delivery van, I'd be parking up in places all over on my lunch hour and whatever, and I'd be writing in the van. Not for anybody or anything, just for me. You know, This was before I'd written anything. Um, I was writing lots of terrible screenplays um, back then, which were which were truly awful. You know, like it's not like one day they're going to come to me and say, "Do you have any dynamite screenplays lying around at home?" The answer is no. I really, I really don't. <laughs> Unless you're into the Jean Claude Van Damme fighting raptors screenplay I did, hoping that the makers of Jurassic Park would, would pick that up, but they never did. You know, what can you do? <laughs> It sounds awesome. Like, this needs to happen. I know. <laughs> I, I, you know, I've still got this Hollywood. I've still got the screenplay. Well, there we go. It's going to happen now. This is it. This is the day. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so what was, uh, where did your idea come from then? Or did you have an idea? Or when you were injured, did you think, okay, I'm going to write, but what the hell am I going to write? Yes, this one was, um, I've always been, well, a while back I tried to be a soldier um, and um, couldn't get, couldn't pass the medical um, because of the knee situation. So um, I, my grandfather was a commando, not the, this was my other grandfather, this is my grandpa, he was a commando and was a prisoner of war for four years as well in World War II. And his, just that sacrifice just lived with me so much, you know, and then at the same time, um, in the early 2000s, uh, going, well, right the way through the 20 noughties, you call them that, 20 zeros, I don't know, them, 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 them years. <laughs> um, all people who were like close to my age were going away to Iraq and then Af Afghanistan. And I had like um, three friends here 
who all went off um, to serve. And they all eventually came back around the time that I was, you know, uh, that I was starting to write. And one came back like, this is my job. This is what I've waited all my life to do. And he was very well balanced about it. Another guy came back and he was so riddled with PTSD that he couldn't go through dinner without thinking about um, evac choppers. He just couldn't do it, you know, because he'd served on one. Um, and the, the last, the third one came back and um, the, the bloodshed had got to him. He, he'd gone into it like a psychopath. He just, like it had just completely flipped it. All he could talk about was killing. It was all he could talk about. Um, and obviously, uh, you know, I haven't seen him anymore because, um, you know, I'd become a father and I couldn't really have that around my children, you know, and I felt bad for, for not wanting that to be around me, if you know what I mean, you know, but it was another cost. What, he was another casualty of that war. Um, so I was fascinated about what happens when you come home from all of that. And what do you do if you just can't find it in you to let the duty go? And how do you keep going? You know, what happens if like, thanks for all that, thanks for all those people that you've, you know, you've killed. Uh, thanks for all those situations that you barely survived, but now you're gonna have to go and get a normal job. You know, and like, how do you possibly do that? Um, so that, that has always fascinated me. And that, that led me to write the, the Ben Bracken series, which was those, which were five books so far. Don't know what I can, uh. no, it's five books so far. I've, I'm not under any contract with that. So I can definitely say it's not like a secret Ben Bracken book out there that's coming or whatever. But um, no, definitely um, I enjoyed that and I had a lot of fun with it, a lot of fun with it. And it's got a really nice, there's a really nice group of devout readers for the Bracken books, which I'll always be grateful for because that was the first thing I did. Then after that, what did you do? Um, well, I wanted to um, write about <laughs> um, Brexit happened. You know, so I wanted to look at what Brexit was doing to smaller communities. Um, and I wrote a, like, I really wanted to write like a, like a, I was reading a lot of like modern Westerns um, and, you know, uh, like American Westerns. And I really wanted to do like a British kind of post-Brexit Western, if you know what I mean. It was just like all these people who suddenly have had their livelihoods sort of fundamentally altered and what choices it would lead you to take and lead you to make. And, and that's, that's, yeah, that's where I went with that. So that's called Crook's Hollow. And uh, I absolutely loved it. It, was, it, it had a, such a blast. I think it was like 60,000 words, something like that. And that's, you know, shorter than anything I'd written before. It was really exciting just to sit down and do that and get all that out. And I hope, you know, my, my, one of my publishers, Loom Books, have those, have that one. And I, I really hope that it, it finds an audience somewhere along the line, you know, because um, I had a lot of fun with that and I think it's got a few nice little surprises in it. Sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you were to be picked up and transported into any of your own books as a character, which would you choose? Oh my word, that's... Well, because I only ever write about places I've, I go. Um, and that I've been, you know, even if I've changed the name of them, it's always a real place, you know. Um, I only ever change the name of people and uh, of places, sorry, and buildings and stuff if I do something terrible there or paint them in a disparaging light. So I'm kind of already a character in all these books. I'm just the weirdo who sits in the corner of the pub with a Guinness watching people like, oh, because I'm literally doing it right now. So, you know, uh, and I'm waving to people like, how are you doing? You're right, you know. So I'm already in them. I'm just the fly on the wall guy, you know, um, 
but whether I, you know, I know a lot of my um, friends think that I act out certain um, fantasies with the Ben Bracken character. Um, and that I can assure you that is so far from the case um, because that's not, yeah, it's not me. <laughs> we believe you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, would you date any of your characters? Date them? Um, <laughs> this is the one, would I, I mean, whether I would advise it, whether I'd advise dating one of the characters is one. Because um, obviously I'm very happily married, so I wouldn't be in the dating market at all. <laughs> I'll take that out of the equation, obviously. You take that out of the equation, yeah. okay. No, I think, I think um, certain... Um, I'm, I'm drawn to people who are probably not the best people to date. Um, as in, I'm not drawn to them romantically. I mean, as I'm drawn to write about them. So I like people who are outliers, who've got their own um, things going on, that they're on the cusp of their own problems all the time and I think because I think that's what makes people interesting um so I I wouldn't necessarily want anyone you know if I like them I wouldn't say go and date them because they're only ever going to bring problems and stuff like that I wouldn't recommend romantic intertwining with any of my characters I don't think really um although I do that does, doesn't say I don't want them to be happy um you know there are a couple of the characters who I, I have big plans for in terms of happiness possibly but um, I'm definitely going to put them through the ringer a bit more. So don't get romantically involved with them yet. <laughs> um, which of your characters has given you most trouble? Trouble. Ooh, I, I, trouble. I, I, one of them gave me a lot of exciting trouble because um, I didn't know who the villain of Crook's Hollow was until the end. Um, and it, it was not just one character going, hey, it was me. Um, it was the person behind who went, it was me as well, <laughs> who I did not know. I didn't know it was coming at all. So it was actually, there were actually two people involved and I hadn't planned that at all. But subconsciously all the way through, I look back at the book and I was like, oh my God, it actually works. So subconsciously I must have been thinking that. So I, I don't know how this works. It, our brains work in amazing ways. If anyone were to say to me, wow, what a clever reveal, let me know. <laughs> No, 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 just an accident, <laughs> complete accident. I was just having a good time and that's what happened. Um, I don't, uh, trouble, yeah, in, in the 30 Miles trilogy at the minute, I've got trouble with Brendan Foley, what to do with him, because I'm writing the third in the series at the moment. And it's what do I, where do I send this guy? You know, how far are we going to send this guy into the absolute pit? You know, and we're going to send him. I know we're going to send him. It's just, I'm also fond of him, so I don't, you know, it's like sending someone you love to battle, you know, it's horrible, but yeah, I would, that's how I would answer that question, I think, and obviously, I've got, you know, long-term hopes that some of these characters might survive and come in useful in other works, you know, so I've got to try and keep a couple alive, at least. <laughs> um, which leads me nicely to my next question, which is, you must yeah. have killed uh, your characters in many horrible ways but if you were to be a, a uh, killer in a book how would you kill someone such a great such a great question um oh i get because i do like an inventive passing in a book i mean something i've not seen before or not you know not read before or anything like that that always makes me go wow you know and and if you can keep me guessing like that that's brilliant um, like I often laugh with um, uh, friends on a, uh, one of the podcasts I'm involved with 
about how um, annoyed, you know, like how disappointed it is in a film where someone just dies because they've been strangled. You know, like, how boring. Come on, do something else. You know, just let's have something, you know. So I don't know what I'd do. I know um, I had someone run over by um, a thresher, um, you know, like a combine harvester, sorry, which was very, very fun <laughs> to write that. Really fun to write that. Um, what would I do though? I, I really don't know. I read, um, and I love the American author Andrew Main, um, and he wrote um, the Naturalist series. And um, in the second book of that, I think it was the second or possibly the third or fourth, I'm not sure. Don't quote me, but one of the books in that four book series um, was about um, uh, someone, uh, a nurse killing people in hospitals. And the inventive way of doing that meant that it was so hard to catch them. You know, and I know there's some that, you know, we have the angels of death here, don't we? You know, these cases that actually do happen. Um, I'm not saying that would be my preferred way of going about it. But if I was going to try to get away with something like that, that is possibly the route I would go down. Don't quote me. <laughs> now your secret's safe. It's fine. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's only going out on YouTube. That's fine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so if you were to be fictionally murdered, who would you want to solve your case? Yes, I love this. And um, I could very easily go for uh, Theo Crane of those naturalist books, actually. Um, he, was a, he was just, what a brilliant character he was. Um, and that first naturalist book really blew me away. You know, using statistics to solve crimes, like essentially solving murders with maths. It was just and looking at the probability of where serial killer strikes, serial killers strike, basing it on the movements of like apex wild, wildlife predators. So like, right, great white sharks do this. Perhaps if you took that map and put it on the United States, we could predict the movements of this, you know, absolutely fascinating. So I would say he'd be great at it, but I do really like, um, well, there's so many great detectives out there, aren't there? You know, just astonishingly super. Um, it's very hard to just pick one. So, um, I, I think um, I'd like, I would imagine I died in a certain way in this fictional circumstance, which means that um, I was doing, I wasn't playing by the book, you know, I was probably researching the next book, actually, wasn't I? And I'd got, I'd bit a far more than I could chew. And I think Jimmy Mullen from um, uh, Trevor Woods' uh, Man on the Street series, you know, the Jimmy Mullen books, I think Sherlock Homeless could go and find, find out what happened. I think that's who I'd pick, because I'd have been in, in some scrape that I shouldn't have been in, and he's the man for the job. Oh, I don't even know you that well. And yeah, I totally agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a habit of getting into scrapes, you see, Donna. I, Because I, I like saying yes to stuff. You know, like, because if you say yes to things, you're only going to grow as a person, aren't you? You know, you're only going to have more to say for yourself, more to write for yourself, more life experience to draw from. So I'm constantly like, yeah, I'll try that. Um, unless I've done it before, and I know it's not for me. But if I've never done it, I'll always try and say yes. So I end up in all sorts of places and things I shouldn't be doing but it's it's all life isn't it you know it's there for living yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> um what's the most interesting thing you found while doing research or what's the biggest research rabbit hole you've fallen down oh my gosh that those because that those rabbit holes go deep at times you know <laughs> and suddenly you're you've been researching something like sort of blisteringly awful for <laughs> the best part of a day and you really wish that you hadn't done it and you wish you could forget them. Um, 
I don't know. There's a there's a certain method of killing in the new um, Thirty Miles trilogy book, and your enemies closer. That um, I got from uh, Mr. Red Dog Press himself, Sean Coleman, who said I could have it, and and it really helped me with putting the you know the finishing touches on that book and tying together the main mystery of that book. But all I'll say is it involves a dumpster. For those who have not read it, it involves a dumpster and um, sonic waves. <laughs> and how you could kill somebody without um, laying a finger on them. And it's drawn from real life, and but researching those situations, um, really, really fascinating. Um, but I've been at, like, like, you know, on your phone, you've got, like, okay, Google, you know, my phone's going to wake up now if I say that. But, like, I remember driving along and, like, um, I was at the, it was a summer's day and the, the windows were up in the, down in the car. And I was at the traffic lights and I just like thought of a plot point and I was like, okay, Google, how long, will, you know, what state will a body be in if it's been in a cricket bag in six degrees centigrade of, temp of uh, river water um, for six months? And I looked across and the people at the traffic lights were like, who <laughs> <laughs> just heard me ask this like most awful uh, thing. But then again, you know, and I'm like, it's all right, it's my job. Like, it's my job to what? Go throw people in the river? Is that what, <laughs> what a weird guy? So um, I do enjoy the rap, like the research. I really, really like. But sometimes I've gone too far. You know, with like doing the personal stuff, like going to places and meeting people. Um, like I've ended up in places and definitely and, and talking to people. I, I definitely should have shouldn't have. Or, or you know, it was fine to talk with them, but some of them have tried to. I've got to word this quite carefully continue the relationship from that point and i i've had to step back from a couple of situations you know which um because i also believe in confidentiality as well you know so if if you tell you know tell me something because you'd be honestly absolutely amazed about how many people want to come and tell you stuff when they find out you're a writer they just want to come and tell you the maddest stuff that they know or <laughs> the maddest stuff that they've heard and i was if they've come to tell me that knowing that I'm a writer, I say to them, like, can I use that? And they're like, I want you to use it, you know? So that's cool. I'm always happy with that. But if you, if, you know, if I know their names and where they're from and things like that, I'll obviously never, ever, do, you know, cross any line like that at all because I just don't really know what they'll do to me if they found out I'd name them in a book. <laughs> so I keep it very, very separate. But yeah, definitely there's places and invitations I've had that I've had to turn down a couple of invitations to stuff that, we really had bad news written all over it. <laughs> it's the best way to put it. I um, I find working in retail also allows people to tell you stuff that you're just like, okay. Yeah. I tell, I tell you anything. <laughs> I don't know you. I see you for two minutes. What the hell? <laughs> I, well, I think sometimes that's, you know, because you're a very friendly person, Donna. And some, some people, you know, it's very nice to like, Ah, how you doing? You know, I get in trouble all the time for chatting too much to people, but I, I know deep down I'm a people person, you know, So and I like chatting, I like conversation, um, but I also like, you know, I think a smile goes miles, you know, and your own smile and your own kindness and your own respect you give people can mean so much to that person, you know? Um, so I think you're just a warm person, Donna, and I think that's why people open up to you. Yeah. I know, I need to stop that, I think. No, I couldn't if I tried. <laughs> <laughs> I can't picture you just going cold. 
I, I can be quite grumpy at work when people are pissing me off. Trust me, <laughs> that's my oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I get quite angry. <laughs> um, do you hide any secret jokes or messages or Easter eggs in your books? Yeah, every book that I've written, um, apart from the, um, the the biography ones that I'm not supposed to talk about, every book that I've written um, exists in the same universe, whether my publishers know that or they don't. So there's always crossovers of places and characters, landmarks, um, which is certainly with Blackstoke, which is a horror um, and a real sideways step for me. It was an accidental horror, by the way. I didn't mean it. It just got really disgusting. And it was just, we're going to have to call this a horror. And Sean and everyone at Red Dog were so great about it. They were like, look, it's disgusting. We know it's not your usual thing, but we really like it. Um, but it, yeah, it just became disgusting. I, I was trying to write a quaint little mystery and then... <laughs> Like, and then I started looking at the thing like, can I really write that? Go on, let's try. Yeah, can I? Yeah, go on. You know what I mean? And like, suddenly I've got this absolutely disgusting book. Um, but I, I, anyway, sorry, I love that book. But trying to key that and to set that in the same universe as, say, the 30 Miles trilogy, it's kind of hard because that's supposed to be, you know, pretty realistic and based, you know, very much on fact and real circumstances. No matter how fantastical certain circumstances may be in that book, they're all rooted in some some real you know real situation. So um, yeah, uh, there's definitely and, and that leads to loads of Easter eggs. You know, um, sometimes I'll put in the odd uh, line or word perhaps that only my friends will know, um, just to make them laugh. Um, and that's yeah, and, and certainly I think it, it's getting less and less obvious now actually because. You know, with every book, I just want to get better and take my career more seriously with every book as well. And I always want to, you know, I want for the next book always to be, you know, the next best thing I've done. Or I always want everyone to be better than the last. So um, I know that certainly my family have started seeing less of me in my books the more I've written. And which is a good thing, I think, you know, it means that I'm sort of growing up and getting the hang of it a little bit more all the time. But at the same time, you know, um, they still say that they, or they still claim that they know it's me, you know, with some of the things. And obviously, like, in I think it was the 30 Miles trilogy, it was actually, it was the narrator, Warren Brown, of the books. He said, um, blimey, you're a Guinness man, aren't you? And he said, no one's, barely anyone puts down a pint of Guinness in that first far from the tree book, you know. It's like, oh, yeah, I didn't even think about that, you know. So I think, I also think as well that when you're writing, you know, you bear a, self, a bit of yourself every time you type. Some of you comes out whether you want it to or not, always, um, even if you're not planning it to, you know. So it's, it's, and it's part of your work. It's part of your makeup as a writer, you know, and I don't want to, ease those things off it's like what we were saying before we came on air Donna about how you know find out what makes you weird and unique and make make people pay money for that and that apparently is the root of all happiness I'll have to find out who, what whose quote that was so I'm definitely embracing my own weirdness in my work and my own quirks and I'm obviously you know I'm very comfortable with who I am I know who I am I know I'm a um, I'm an absolute goof I know I like writing in a pub and drinking Guinness while I work and you know I am a creature of habit I can't change any of those things but um so I hope that I hope that people keep enjoying reading about those things <laughs> I was gonna say it seems to be working all right for you so you must be doing something right so far 
so far, so far. There's obviously a market out there for grinning goofballs. <laughs> and the cute little chubby cheeks. <laughs> oh, don't. don't. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, right the way through the family, that. Right the way through the family. Oh, that, I must say thank you. Thank you, Drew. Thank you very much. Now, look, that is service, isn't it? Look at nice. that. Nice. Nice. <laughs> thank you. Super dude. I'm so sorry. No, that's fine. <laughs> Um, can't leave. Oh, I was gonna say, I forgot what question I was gonna ask you, but I haven't. It's fine, they're all in there. Um, when you're <laughs> oh, editing, you okay. oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't need to them written down. <laughs> um, when you're editing, what's your most overused word or phrase? Um, oh, that's a good one. I think it's, um, <laughs> I have a habit of perhaps not being a phrase, but saying um apparently my agent and editors know when i'm enjoying myself because i really over egg the description of it like if i'm really enjoying something i'll use four lines when one and a half or two will do so apparently that's a trait of mine that they're really doing well to ease out in fact i think it was 30 miles and your enemy's closer clocked in at eighty thousand words when i sent it out no 80 two I think and when they'd finished with it it came in at 67 <laughs> so it was like wow they really trimmed you know well on one hand you could tell I really enjoyed myself writing that but <laughs> on the other hand you know I need to you know and obviously I'm still improving still trying to improve still still honing and trying to get better all the time I don't I don't know I don't I don't know you really got me thinking that I really don't know what phrase that I maybe actually yeah, maybe I, I like a good actually in there, possibly. But I don't know. I'd, I'll have to, you know what? I'm going to get in touch with my agent and editor after this and say, what do I overuse? <laughs> you know, they'll come back with seconds with like a list and you'll be like, oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, huge one, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, they might just say Guinness. They might just say, you you, you just you have your character drinking far too much Guinness in these books. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but what was your favourite first as an author? What a good question. Um, first one star was special. <laughs> um, because I loved it. You know, it was like, I, just, I love, I love, I love really negative criticism. I really love it because... I find that more valuable than anything because it just puts like a rocket under me to succeed. Um, so um, when I first started, obviously, um, we all, you know, all authors, all writers of any kind, whatever it is you're writing, you all experience rejection because writing is such a subjective thing. So I'm on, um, if I count all the agent rejections and then all the publishing rejections, um, you know, for books and whatever, up to yesterday, I had another rejection just yesterday. Um, I'm on well over 400, you know, um, and you just have to have the thickest. You know, I, I don't care. You know, it's like, it's one of those, like, I literally don't care if you don't like it. It's about timing and luck and finding the right person, the right eyes at the right time. Um, but no, I remember when, back in 2013, when I first sent a wanted man out, and at the time it was called something different. Um, uh, an agent in America said, don't ever waste my time again. And that was like, 
wow. You know, that was an introduction, but I loved it. I loved it because it made me so determined to prove her wrong. So determined. And I'm still there now, you know, almost 10 years later, still trying to prove that person wrong. Um, whether anything I've done to this point counts as proving her wrong, but I'm going to keep going until I feel like I've properly shown her. But, you know, there you go, you know. So while I'm all, you know, sunshine and giggles, quite literally the sun's coming through here, um, I'm, I'm also very, 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 very driven. Um, but another, another first was uh, my, my very first um, book when it came out, we did um, an event at a, um, a converted, um, no, sorry, it was an old train station that had been um, repurposed and, not, what's the word, refurbished, they said rehabilitated, <laughs> refurbished. And um, my, I invited my um, primary school teacher the very, from year one and two. Um, so she was there when I was five, six, seven. And she was the first person who ever said, you know, aside from my parents who said, you're not bad at writing, keep going. And she came to that, um, that launch night um, for that. And I, cause I invited her and just having her there and giving her a signed copy of my book was just, I think it was one of the greatest moments in my whole life. That I really do because it meant, it meant so much to me, but she cried and not that I was happy to see her upset, but I, I and I also feel that teachers just don't get enough of the respect that they deserve. You know, teachers are so formative and she literally gave me the encouragement and the love of reading that and do you know what's even more interesting she lives two doors behind me she lives two doors that way um and I just saw her sitting in her window as I walked past before you know she's deep into her 80s now and I just think these people just need all the love all the love and respect in the world they really do Mrs Twist Mrs Twist if you're listening God love you I think my um, my year one and two teacher was Mrs Lee, and I still remember as well. So, yeah, they are special. Isn't it lovely? And at that age as well, it's so important. And, you know, I often talk to, you know, on the Blood Brothers as well, there's, there's Sean Coleman, as we've mentioned, but there's also Chris McDonald, who's a, um, <coughs> excuse me, a little bit of the uh, COVID cough still there. <laughs> negative, negative. Um, they, yeah, he's um, a, a, a primary school teacher. And I just like, I just don't know how he does it. And he's, he's had seven books out this last year. No, eight, no, nine, nine in two years it is. And I just don't know how the man does it um, because he's obviously playing such a formative role in young people's lives, you know, it's just incredible. Um, so yeah, a, a teacher is another thing I'd love to have done, but um, I guess I'll have to say that for another lifetime now. Yeah, I think when I interviewed Chris, I think he said he just doesn't sleep because he's got young children. So I think that was his answer. <laughs> we yeah. write so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's such a star man, that guy. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. He's lovely. I really enjoyed talking to him as well. Yeah, he is. Yeah, a very, very nice guy and one heck of a writer. And I've read some of the stuff he's got coming up as well. And I think if it's all right for me to say, Chris, but we ain't seen nothing yet. So some of the stuff he's got coming is so, so good. Um, and also the same for Sean. Sean's got something new as well, which is absolutely astonishing. So, um, yeah. And I also believe in bigging everyone up. You know, we all need an encouragement. You know, we all have days when we don't believe in ourselves or whatever, you know. And, um, uh, and we need someone to pat us on the back and go, you're doing just fine. You're doing just fine. Because we are doing just fine. We're all doing just fine. Yes, I try and tell you lot this because you're just quivering wrecks of insecurity honestly it's hard work trying to boost all your egos on a daily basis 
it's exhausting honestly just <laughs> if all of you could just take one day where you're like nope I'm okay I'm fine I know I'm good at my job it's all good but no you're just a mess <laughs> nope I know well I spoke I spoke was really lucky enough to have a chat with Sarah Vaughan the other day whose book Reputation came out yesterday and um she is just what she's doing is so amazing Netflix series coming out very very soon and reputation is astonishing and she just said that she gets the most terrible imposter syndrome and I'm like you're Sarah flipping born you know <laughs> how do you have you know and she's the most fabulously down-to-earth person uh, you know yeah so I know just what you mean I know just what you mean yeah, it's good job us bloggers and readers are out there to try and boost you up again, isn't it? <laughs> so you oh, don't I know. I, this, this, this is it. But the work, the, the, the stuff that you do for us is just unbelievable. And I do believe that, 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 that writers owe so much to bloggers, owe so much to bloggers. Um, and because it's, it's like a, a selfless support, it's just absolutely selfless. And um, always there to help I mean honestly I and the great thing is I've made so many friends who are bloggers as well through the through this you know like because we know each other now Donna you know that's how it works now we're mates now yeah, so yeah, you know it's like that's it yeah you know it's, it's as easy as that and I, I just feel like we're one big family on all sides of the page I really do you know the people in the industry you know on the sort of like actually in the publishing houses you know uh, through through bloggers through authors through any kind of reader I think we're just all in the same boat it's one of the reasons I love the crime writing world so much is because everyone's just so cool and supportive they really are really are made friends for life in this seriously yeah and it's so lovely everyone everyone is just lovely and they always have time for you and stuff it's it really is awesome yeah yeah, it. it is and I think because I think at the end of the day as well I mean we're all in it because we love books we're all absolute geeks for books aren't we you know, like I am yeah. like I haven't even told my wife that I went and bought more this morning and you know I, I don't know how to tell her <laughs> so I've literally took them in and like tried to hide them up <laughs> you know? like no one will notice them here um and then Oh, but it's yeah, it's through a love of books that we're all in it for the same thing, aren't we? We just love stories. We love to be excited and entertained and taken different places. Honestly, I think the written word is the most powerful thing in the world, and this is what's brought us all together. Sorry, that's a, a quite a grand statement, but it's you know, I'm not gonna be like Michael Jackson heal the world on my soapbox here, but I do think that the written word will give people everything they want, you know, gives you the all the opportunities. At least that's that's what I say in schools. I do do. Um, Pre-COVID, I was doing a lot of work in schools, and and um, I think it's 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 starting to pick up again. But I think it's going to be next year, really, next academic year when it really picks up properly. Um, but it's the most important thing I'll ever do is going into schools and and talking to young people about reading and writing and how they can how it can you know it doesn't matter what career you want you know reading and writing will get you there. Yeah, I've had so many times that people say I wanted to write and I, I couldn't, you know, I didn't know that was an option. That's quite yeah. sad. And at least people have found it later. But it's a shame that people weren't encouraged years ago at school. But I mean, I wasn't. Yeah. I didn't know it was an option either. So no, no. What are you writing yourself? Kind of. I've done NaNoWriMo, but I need awesome. to finish it. Yeah. See, that's it. But if you're brave enough to write, we're all writers. 
So this is just two chats between two authors here, Donna. That's the way it is. Honestly, I think if anyone is brave enough to pick up a pen, pencil, type, whatever, we're all writers. Yeah, I will. I'm, when I stop taking so many blog tours on and uh, <laughs> stuff, then I'll actually have time to finish it. <laughs> oh, God. How many books have you got on the go, on the go at the minute? Um, I've started one this morning. I need to read two by the eighth, which isn't too bad. Then I've got another at least three or four that I've promised people I'll read. So I read oh, 28 wow. in February. So that's one a day, literally. Oh, gosh. Yeah. 28 in February. Because I need a bit of that mojo, Donna, seriously, because I've got 18 on the go at the minute. And I'm just, I'm like a page of one, a page of another page. I, I, I am, and because I always like, I love reading. I love getting sent books. It's amazing. And I never want to say no to people when they send me a book. So I'm always like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> you know? so I need to clear the decks a little bit and, and get there. And then all will be well. All will be well. There's just so much good books out there, though. I know. And Graham Bartlett's is one that I'm dying to read. Yeah. Um, because I've heard that's very good. So, yeah. Although I don't have oh, to read awesome. it till June. So in my head, like, I, I don't have to read it yet, but I really want to. So I'll push that up, I think. Yeah. Some 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 books, you know, you're a little bit like with your TBR pile, like, yoink. <laughs> you know, just whack it straight in the top there. You know, yeah. Um, my, um, I think I'm trying to work out whether CJ Box, the American author, is my favourite author of... Uh, he, I think he could be my favourite living author, and that is no disrespect to all the amazing authors I know. It's just, he is just his Joe Pickett series. The new one came out yesterday, Shadow is Real. And I think it's book 21 or 22 of that series. And when it started, the main character, Joe Pickett, his kids were like three, and now they're grown women. And it's like, I just feel like every year, every March, when a new one comes out, I'm checking in with that family, and he better not do anything to them, honestly. I just can't compare it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but these people, I mean, they're, they're rock stars to me. Like, he is an absolute rock star to me. Same with, you know, I can't believe it sometimes. You know, when you go places, and I know um, I was in Whitley Bay and you were, you were going to come up as well, weren't you, Donna? Um, but I still get that same thing. Like, do you want to come and sit over here? And it's like, oh my God, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't. <laughs> it's just incredible. Yeah. I know I was at Harrogate last year. And um, I was just sitting, reading, um, drinking a coffee early one morning, and Ian Rankin just walked past and said, good morning. Oh. <laughs> and I was just like... <laughs> oh, my word. Oh, my word. They see <laughs> such cool people everywhere. I know. Did you enjoy Harrogate? Loved it. I got home at six o'clock on Sunday. By nine o'clock, I'd booked my hotel for this year. Couldn't Had wait. To... Yeah, loved it. Loved it every second. Oh, that's what, well. I will see you there because I'm I'm there yeah. this year as well. So we'll see. I finally you get to meet you. Yay! I and know. Hopefully, I know, I know. Trevor. Three times yes. I've tried to meet Trevor, and um, I think he had COVID, and then something else happened. And actually, we were at this. We were at Harrogate, but we didn't bump into each other. And then when I messaged him, he'd already left. Um, uh, so three times I've tried to meet that guy. I mean, I don't know whether I should just take the hint or. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! He, he, he again. He is um, a guy who. Is so deserving of his success as well. You know, he's such a lovely man. He, whenever I go to Newcastle, he always tells me off if I've not stayed at his house. He, uh, you know, he says, like, why, why, are you, why are you going staying somewhere else? Like, you could just come stay with me. He's such a lovely guy. Who is that? That's Strictly. Hello. She does like to come poke anything. Oh, bless. Yeah, oh. she's gorgeous, isn't she? Oh, I should have added, um, I have two dogs. My Oh, hello. <laughs> Hi. Oh, my word. Hello. Look at the ears. 
I know there's I know just yeah when I look on my YouTube channel there's just ears in all my on all the stills really? all the videos yeah. oh gosh <laughs> uh, please forgive me slight segue what breed she's a Yorkshire Terrier as far as we know she's a rescue so is she oh she's beautiful um because I, I have um two Shorkies so um Yorkshire Terriers and Shih Tzus um oh, yeah so slightly puggier princessier faces than this beauty here <laughs> <laughs> yes we've got a, a two-year-old and a four-month-old puppy messy. messy yeah and hyper and crazy i would imagine <laughs> yeah like whenever i come here my wife says do you want to bring the dogs on like, nope. <laughs> nope no no not gonna get anything done nope <laughs> nope <laughs> <laughs> um I'm just going to ask you a few of my silly questions now as we've been serious. Go for it. So who is your Go first celebrity crush? Celebrity crush? Gosh, that's a, a rum one. Not, not a, 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 I can't really remember. I think most people will say, most people my age will say Kelly Kapowski from Saved by the Bell. Um, but I don't know whether I was more Jesse from Saved by the Bell, who was... But you know the the other one, insane <laughs> by the bell, yeah. Um, oh, April O'Neil from the Turtles, obviously. That being the cartoon. <laughs> uh, no, I. But I came to. I was very. I was a very late bloomer. So I. I like. Yeah. Um, I hadn't haven't had many. You know, I had one girlfriend before I met my wife, um, and it was like immediately when I met my wife, it was like that one that's the one there that one there yeah so um yeah I was a late bloomer so yeah I didn't know what girls were until way too late <laughs> well you snagged one so you were right <laughs> yeah yeah well no found one that will port with me <laughs> and even that's touch and go oh you can come here see the, the pub dog's coming over to say hello now treacle come here hello my dog. <laughs> Treak, come here. There you go. Hey. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> he always comes over and says hello. <laughs> um, where's the funniest or strangest face you've ever woken up? Woken up. Um, it, oh, it sounds quite X-Files, but a cornfield, but it was nothing to do with aliens. Woken <laughs> um, up on a beach. Cornfield, for sure. Um, I don't think there's anywhere like more worse than that, actually. Or not more worse, worser, more worse. I don't know whether that's supposed to be a writer, you know. <laughs> I haven't got a clue. No, uh, definitely a cornfield, but that was my um, after my 21st, and um, I fell off the fence at the back of our house, and I <laughs> cut my back here, and I still have a scar from when I fell off the fence, um, and I just slept where I lay, and woke up on the morning after my 21st, still had a can of John Smith in my hand. That's <laughs> 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 what it is. <laughs> Um, if I were to ask your dearest, dearest, what your most annoying habits are, what would they say? Uh, toilet talk, probably. Um, 
I like making the kids laugh. So toilet talk is always a very easy way of doing it. Um, apparently, I try out dialogue at home. Um, like, kind of just, it, it, I didn't realise I was doing it, but I'll do like the same line, like, you know, let's take it, let's just pick, I don't know, you didn't believe me. You know, say that line. Like, so I'm wandering around the house going, you didn't believe me. You didn't believe me. You didn't believe me. And I'm, 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 I'm trying it out in all the... It's, I didn't know I did it at all, but I'm apparently a nightmare. <laughs> like, when, when, you know, when lockdown hit and we were all forced to, you know, like, stay at home altogether, I, like, Mrs. Parker was like, are you all right? Are you having some sort of episode? <laughs> like a daily massive breakdown. Um, but, and it, that's particularly bad when it's during the, um, uh, the months of... Uh, when I'm writing a first draft, that's particularly bad in those periods. Um, but no, I have, I have loads of, you mean like, like I, I think I just annoy the hell out of Mrs. Parker all the time. Um, again, like I think the key to marital happiness is probably is find someone who accepts that you're weird. <laughs> and I think, God bless her, she's a saint, honestly. She's an absolute saint, my wife. Well, to be fair, she's signed up for better or worse now, so she's tied in whether she likes it or not. Well, this is it. This is it. This is it. Um, apparently, I'm stubborn as well. You know, it, like if, um, and I think in this industry you have to be. So it helps me in that way. But yeah, apparently, I'm really stubborn. <laughs> well, I haven't got any more questions for you, I don't think. Well, not this time anyway. I'll save some for next well, time. Excellent. And well, and as well, I will see you in Harrogate too. Yes, absolutely. And I will look forward to that. Very much. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, right. well, thank you so much. It's been lovely having a chat with you. It feels like it was just us having a natter and nothing. You know, nobody else yeah. was here. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, it just felt like we're having a nice chat about all sorts. But um, I've had a lovely time, Donna. Thank you so much. And thanks again for bearing with me while I sorted out uh, oh, uh, yeah. the family and COVID. No, that's fine. Um, so, just before we go, would you like to tell everyone where they can get your books from and where they can find out more about you if they would like to? Oh, that's very cool. Um, thank you very much. Yeah, um, you could go to um, robparkerauthor.com. There's uh, all sorts on there that's semi-regularly updated, but I will, I'll just say you can find me at Rob Parker Author on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, I think, like that. Um, but if you really want to get, to, you know, get in touch, which I'd love to hear from anyone anytime, um, it's Twitter is the one that would usually find me because... Um, I usually get sort of found by people from previous jobs and stuff on Facebook <laughs> to kind of limit the amount of time I go on there. So, um, yeah, anyway, sorry, sensible. Come on, Rob, sensible. Um, uh, you can get, uh, my books are all over the place, um, all good. I'm trying, the, the, you can obviously go to the Big River website if you really want to, it's all on there. Um, but my um, 30 Miles trilogy is an Audible exclusive, so... You go there and you can get that. In fact, um, my uh, Far From The Tree is about to drop on Audible Plus. I hope I can say that. Don't know whether I can, but I'm going to do it anyway. Ha ha. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, But yeah, the, the series is on there. The third book in that series will be out later this year, early next year, depending on how it goes. Um, and then whether Brendan fully behaves himself. And... I, yeah, you go to the um, reddog.co.uk, um, reddogpress.co.uk. Um, my uh, Blackstone and Far From The Tree are on there, but Waterstones will have everything you need as well. But um, 
if you go to, it's bookshop.org, isn't it? And you could get all my books on there and you'll be helping out your local bookshops, your local indie bookshops. So head over there. Um, but, and thank you for the, thank you for everything, Donna. Thanks for the opportunity as well. You're welcome, thank you. <laughs> awesome.